Hello, everyone. It's me again, Peter Harris with Commercial Property Advisors, author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, and coach and mentor to commercial real estate investors all across America. The title and subject today's podcast is Self-Storage Investing for Beginners. So let's get started. I'm going to share with you seven things about self-storage investing if you are a beginner. All right, seven things for beginners. Number one is why invest in self-storage facilities? Number two, finding self-storage facilities to invest in. And number three, the three main types of self-storage facilities you're going to find out there. Number four, the two main types of deal scenarios scenarios you're going to find yourself in. Number five, how to do a quick evaluation. Number six, how to fund your self-storage facility. And number seven, the two biggest myths of self-storage investing. Okay, so let's get started with number one. Why invest in self-storage facilities? Well, hear me out. If you get married one day, you don't necessarily throw your couch away. You don't necessarily throw all your gadgets and gadgets away. You put it in storage, right? Here's another example. When one of our brave young men in the military gets sent overseas for a tour of duty, they put their stuff into storage. Now, during the last recession uh, that we had in the U.S., many people were forced to downsize and they didn't want to throw anything away. They put their stuff in storage, all right? When the economy is booming, all right, people buy stuff, extra stuff, the stuff that they have, they don't want to throw away, they put in the storage, okay? All right, so there's a stable and growing demand for self-storage investments and thus the market for self-storage investors. That's you, all right? So I'm going to share three facts with you. Did you know that one out of every 10 people in the U.S. use self-storage? Did you know that? Here's a second fact. There are over 50,000 self-storage facilities in U.S. today. Now, uh, um, over 10 years ago, there's only 30,000. So fast forward today, there are 50,000 self-storage facilities in U.S. today. Did you know that? The third fact I want to share with you is that self-storage is a $220 billion industry and it's growing And Wall Street has taken notice. All right? So those are three facts I want to share with you. Now, there's one other interesting thing you probably didn't know. Uh, Did you know that 80% of all self-storage properties remain in the hands of small, independent mom-and-pop investors? That means that big players, the big owners, the institutional guys, only own a small portion of self-storage facilities. The remaining 80% is for you and I to play in and own and invest in and cash flow from. Okay? All right. Oh, I want to share with you one more thing. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the, uh, one of the greatest attributes of self-storage investing is stable cash flow. All right? People always think I'll just house my stuff for a couple of months in self-storage and then I get it all out. But the problem is, once you get all your stuff into self-storage, the last thing you want to do is spend a Saturday cleaning it out, right? So the average stay for an average self-storage client or tenant 
is 12 to 36 months, all right? As opposed to apartments, which the average stay is six to seven months, okay? So self-storage, you can have someone there for three years on average on the apartments. In apartments, the average is six to seven months, all right? Now, in any income-producing real estate business, um, apartments, self-storage, uh, uh, you know, uh, shopping centers, one of the biggest costs that you're going to have is what I call turnover costs. The cost of getting your apartment or your office space or your space ready for the next renter. It can cost thousands of dollars and take weeks to prepare for the next tenant. Well, in the self-storage business, all it takes to get the space ready for the next renter is a broom and a dustpan. That's it. Maybe some Lysol. A broom and a dustpan and some Lysol. So the saying in self-storage business is no tenants, no toilets, and no trash. All right. Now, I'm going to share with you um, the biggest difference between investing in a single family home and self-storage is what? Take a wild guess. Well, let me tell you. If your tenant moves out of your rental home, you have 0% occupancy and you have no income. All right. Now, if one or two uh, or even five of your self-storage units become vacant, life can go on. Because your other 200 or so Occupy units are bringing in enough income to pay all the deals, I mean, all the bills and still cash flow. Okay. So that's the biggest difference between single family homes and self-storage. It's a, um, uh, it's, it's efficiencies. All right. It's uh, scales of economy. All right. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about with you is how to find self-storage facilities to invest in. I'm going to go with you three main ways. All right. Number one is I want you to start on the internet. There are a few websites out there that, where you can easily find self-storage facilities for sale. All right. Uh, a couple are loopnet.com, coldstar.com are just two ways to get you started like that. Uh, other websites I'd like to go on to is you can go on to self-storages. That's with an S, selfstorages.com. You can go on to bizbysell.com. You can go on to argus-selfstorage.com. Or how about you can even try selfstoragebrokersofamerica.com. Okay? So they're, they're out there. They're all on the internet if you just want to take a look at it and see what's out there. All right? So that's how you, that's probably the easiest way to get started on finding them. The second way is brokers, right? Um, reach out to a commercial broker whose focus is on um, selling and listing uh, self-storage facilities. It's a niche market and you need that expertise. Do not, I repeat, do not have a person that sells single family homes uh, become your broker to help you purchase a self-storage facility. You're asking for disaster there, Okay. So seek out a, an expert so he can give you all the ins and out, outs of the business. Okay? All right. Um, number three, the third way of finding self-storage facilities is, do, is to do a direct mail campaign. Basically, what you're doing here is you're mailing letters to owners of self-storage facilities. And the owners, by the way, here would be the mom and pop owners. 
don't send out mail to the big companies that you won't you you'll get no response. All right. So in these letters, you're stating that you're interested in buying their property, their facility, and that you are not a real estate agent looking for a listing or a commission. All right. And here's how you create that list. I want you to go to a a list database company such as Dunhill.com. I'm going to spell that for you. D-U-N-H-I-L-L, Dunhill.com. Call them up and have them create a list for you for self-storage facilities in whatever city you'd like. All right. And once you have that list, simply start mailing them letters. Now, with a good letter, you can expect a response rate between 2 and 4%. All right. Okay. The next thing I want to go over with you are the three main types of self-storage facilities. The three main types are class A, class B, and class C. All right. Class A. Class A self-storage facilities in- include uh, f- facilities built um, uh, in- between the year uh, 2000 and today. All right. They will be in prime locations. They look great. They look awesome. They're multi-level. They're probably made of brick and glass and uh, they're high price and they're spectacles to look at. They're beautiful. All right. And um, they're, but they're probably owned by institutions. So you, you'll see some big name companies um, advertising them. They're going to be high price, as I mentioned. You're going to have low capitalization rates. And, um, but we mainly, um, don't want to compete against these guys, uh, these institutional guys. You're too big, too much cash, and their return on investment requirement is much lower than ours. All right. The next, um, uh, type of self-storage facility are class B. Now, these facilities are built between, um, the 1980s and 1990s, and they're primarily owned by mom and pops. And guess what? This is where you want to spend most of your time and effort. You want to buy these um, these um, facilities. Um, you're going to have uh, they're going to be medium priced, all right. Um, they're going to have uh, uh, higher cap rates than A class. Remember, the higher the cap rate, um, the the riskier the investment. Remember, A class is the lowest risk. Then we have B class, which is lower risk. All right. So you're going to have a, you're going to have a higher cap rate than A class. But you're going to have um, probably the most um, number of opportunities for immediate cash flow with these um, type of self-storage facilities, Class B. All right. Lastly, Class C. These facilities are built in the 60s all the way to the 80s. All right. They are uh, the low-cost provider for the area. And these are the guys you go to with the cheapest rates. They could be in the rural locations in the country. You're going to have gravel driveways, no gates. Some of them will need repair. And um, uh, basically, um, some of these C-class facilities will need to be converted or will eventually become obsolete. All right. And because of all this, the cap rates will be the highest. And um, if you're a beginner, I will not play here until you have the experience on turning around these types of properties. Okay. All right. Um, uh, now leading in now, after discussing the three main types of self-storage facilities, it rolls over right into the next category, which is the two main types of deals uh, you're going to run into. Okay. 
these these are two scenarios you're going to see out there as you look in as you look into these self storage facilities. There's two main types. Number one is um, when you look at a deal, you're gonna you're gonna find um, that one deal is a turnkey deal, and the other deal is a turnaround deal. Okay, let's talk about turnkey deal. All right, your turnkey deal will be a self storage facility that is stabilized. It's most likely class A and B. It's ready to go. It's turnkey. And there's really no work needed. You're going to have a low cap rate. Um, you're going to have a high price. But you're also going to have a, a lower risk than than a turnaround deal. They're going to be in nicer locations. They'll be easier to finance a turnaround deal. And um, because these are turnkey deals, um, you're going to have little to no deferred maintenance. So basically, these are uh, out of the box, ready to go, cash flow, um, day one, you just need to jump in there, okay? That's deal scenario number one. Deal scenario number two is the turnaround deal, all right? So these facilities are not stabilized. They may have some issues like high vacancy. They need may need remodeling. They may need a new coat of paint, um, may need a new driveway, what have you. But these deals are called turnaround deals because it needs to be turned around to to achieve um, its optimum performance, all right? To get to squeeze out all the potential it has, it needs to be turned around, all right? Now, these turnaround deals, you'll see some of the symptoms will be the property management is weak or sometimes could be no property management. But on these type of deals, you could have huge opportunity um, for, for profit. Or if you're not experienced, it could be a huge headache, all right? So, but the bottom line here for these turnaround deals Make sure you have an expert on your team. All right. Get a mentor. Get a uh, experienced person to help you with these type of deals. All right. Okay. Let's move on to the next thing. And that is how to do a quick evaluation of a self-storage facility. All right. This is a quick evaluation. So here's a list of seven things to look for when doing a quick evaluation. Number one is the size of the facility. You want at least thirty to 40,000 square feet to, to start with, if you can. Now, remember that you need at least 30,000 square feet uh, to afford an on-site man, manager. And on average, that will get you about 200 units. However, if you want to manage the place yourself, then you can look at any size so long as the numbers work for you. Okay? Number two, look for the unit mix and have a spread of the mix of the sizes of the units. Have some that are, um, you know, five by fives, 10 by fives, 30 by tens, uh, you know, so you get the picture. Have a spread of different size and types of um, storage units available to match the needs and desires of your, of your market. All right. If you have only, if you have a majority of one size of the units, it's going to hurt your occupancy. All right. Hurt your cash flow. Number three, location. What I want you to do is to um, pencil, um, uh, uh, find your your facility on a map, and then draw a one-mile circle, a three-mile circle, draw a five-mile circle, and look at the demographics. Because basically, that's where you're drawing from for customers, okay? In that one-mile, three-mile, five-mile circle, that's who your clients and customers and renters are going to be, all right? Next, so far as the location, I want you to ask yourself, honestly, is the neighborhood growing or shrinking? So you can go to the city to get those stats. 
Um, next is, are you looking, I mean, are you in a path of progress? Is, um, is development um, headed your way of your, your self-storage facility or is it moving away from it? All right. And the next thing to look for in location is your competition. Know who your competition is. Okay. All right. Number four, traffic counts. You need to know how much traffic is running by your facility. All right. In the olden days, that was kind of hard to do. Today, you can just go to Google and you can uh, get it directly from Google now on traffic counts for a certain location. All right. The fifth thing to do a quick evaluation is to look at signage and visibility. People need to see you and find you. All right. Um, so how easy was it for you to find and see that location? All right. Um, all right. Number six, management. All right. Take a look at the management. Do they have an office? Is there a home there? Is it automated? Um, so no, um, to do a quick evaluation, no, um, the management structure. Number seven is um, something often overlooked. All right. Drainage. A flood-ridden area is unrentable and a potential legal headache. So make sure that there's proper drainage uh, in that facility and all around it. Okay. Especially in the rentable areas. All right. Next thing I want to do is how to fund your self-storage. All right. Now, as for um, any commercial real estate that's income producing, self-storage included, the lender is going to look for three basic things. Okay. Three basic things. Number one, the lender is going to look for the numbers. All right. The financials. All right. Number one. All right. Can, can the uh, facility afford a loan? Number two is they're going to look at the property condition and location. Is the property run down? Is, is the location, is it gang infested? Is it so far out in the boonies that they don't want to be there? All right. So number one, they're going to look at the numbers. Number two, they're going to look at the property condition and location. Number three, they're going to look at your financial strength or your partner's financial strength. Okay. So all three. So you need to start there first in order to understand how to fund your self-storage facility. Now, some of the sources of the funds could be, and most likely will be local and regional banks. Uh, there could be credit unions, the SBA, the Small Business Administration. All right, um, private lenders. You can even do seller financing. All right. Now, down payments are usually in the range of 25% for local regional banks. But if you get a um, an SBA loan, there's an SBA loan out there. You can research it. It's called the SBA 7A, all right? SBA 7A, or you can do the SBA 504, okay? So those are two SBA loan programs, and they're, they're a bit different from one another. But basically, with those two programs, they require as little as 10% down payment, okay? And the terms are are, are pretty good. All right, but there are some um, you know underwriting requirements there you, there that you adhere to. So take a look at that. All right. Now interest rates on um, self storage facilities they're competitive uh, as any other commercial real estate type. All right, but let me tell you personally what I've been seeing um, myself um, and have been a part of in funding these commercial deals. All right, let me make up a name um, of a of a student or a client um, or an investor. His name is Joe. All right. So Joe finds a deal and he gets it on the contract. 
Joe doesn't have a down payment or the net worth to fund the deal. All right. Does that sound familiar? Is that you? All right. So what Joe does is he finds a debt or an equity partner to partner with him. All right. And these partners bring in a down payment and the credit. Joe pays them a return on their investment and makes them part of the deal. All right. So that's something that you should learn how to do. And in fact, that's something that we teach at Commercial Property Advisors. But if, if that's your situation, uh, you can still participate and get, <clears throat> excuse me, you can still participate and get your self-storage deal done uh, in this manner, okay? And finding a deal, doing the due diligence, pulling the finances of others together to get a deal closed, all right? All right. Now, the last thing I want to do is I want to go through the two biggest myths of self-storage investing. All right. The two biggest myths. All right. The first, the first myth is self-storage is a hands-off business and the income is passive. That is such a myth. All right. It is not a hands-off business and the income is not passive. Some people teach um, that you can automate everything in this business and walk away. Not true. Not true in any commercial real estate business. All right. That's income producing. You have what I call the four M's. All right. And the four M's is what makes my business successful. My apartment successful. My, my commercial real estate success. The four M's are, are systems that need handholding. And the four M's are M for money, M for management, M for marketing, and M for maintenance, all right? So the four M's are money, management, marketing, and maintenance. You need a system to handle each one. So that's why this business is not hands-off, nor is any commercial-listed business hands-off and passive. There's going to have to be some type of system set up to manage the money, to manage the management, to manage the marketing, and manage the maintenance, Okay. You could be a point where you could hire someone to do that for you, but someone is going to have to oversee the four M's for this to be successful and sustainable. All right. Now, um, speaking of one of the M's, I'd like to bring up in self-storage, probably the, the most uh, demanding M is the marketing. The marketing in, and uh, this industry and the self-storage industry is really important uh, lead generation is where you'll be spending quite a bit of brain power and money on. And the same thing goes for uh, when you have a business up and running, your search engine optimization, your SEO, you, it's just really important, the marketing part. All right, I don't want to get too much into that. Uh, let me go into, into, into the second biggest myth of self-storage investing, that it's a quick turnaround business. It is not. It can take um, years Um if uh, to stabilize his business, if you're going to remodel and rebrand and reposition a self-storage facility uh, from from day one to getting it stabilized, it can take four years. All right. So just imagine that um, it is not a quick turnaround business. All right. Um, now, uh, here's here's what you have to understand. Anytime uh, ownership or management changes in, in, in any commercial estate, particularly self-storage, you're gonna go back. You're gonna go backwards for a few months, then you hit your stride before outperforming where you had been where you had been achieved before. All right. So just imagine you're gonna take over. There's gonna be some hiccups. There's a learning curve there. 
and then you're going to get momentum going. All right. So it takes time to build a financial fortress in commercial real estate. You build it one brick at a time. Okay. All right. So that's going to end um, this podcast. You can get uh, access to even more great resources on our website, commercialpropertyadvisors.com, as well as um, by subscribing to this podcast and listening to more of these podcasts. All right. So thanks so much for for listening to this podcast on self-storage investing for beginners. I'm Peter Harris, and I will talk to you later.